Welcome to Ministry Focus Podcast with Chad and all. This is the place where we talk real and we live Jesus. Hello and welcome to Ministry Focused. I am your host, Chad Nall, and today I want to discuss something that is near and dear to my heart. Um, at our church, we are getting ready to do a men's conference, and so uh, the the role of a man has really been on my heart. And so today, I just wanted us to, to focus on that for just a little while. I've entitled uh, today's uh, um, podcast, Man Up. Man Up. I believe that uh, we need today in our world, in our society, in our churches, in our home, men that will be obedient and listen to the voice of the Lord. I believe, men, it's time to man up and be what God has called you to be. If we were going to define the term man up, it would be to be brave or tough enough to deal with an unpleasant situation. God is calling each of us to be godly leaders in our homes, our churches, and our communities. Listen, our wives need godly men to lead and to love them. Our children need fathers that are strong and compassionate. Our churches need men that will not compromise on morals and accept low living. Our community needs men that will stand for what is right and not coward in the face of rebuke. Men, it's time to man up, because I believe time's running out, and we need to get ourselves right before the Lord. An inscription on the cathedral clock reads, When as a child I laughed and wept, time crept. When as a youth, when I became a full man, time ran. And later, as I grew, as I, as I older grew, time flew. Soon I shall find, while traveling on, time gone. I want us to really look at Genesis chapter number 22. I believe we see a very uh, a very powerful message in Genesis chapter 22 as it deals with a man named Abraham. Now at age 75, Abraham enrolled into the school of faith. And here as we find him in Genesis 22, he is now over a hundred years old. And he still has some soul-stretching experiences to experience. We're never too old to face new challenges, fight new battles, and learn new truths. When we stop learning, we stop growing. And when we stop growing, can I say we stop living? The first 40 years of life, give us the text, wrote author Schopenhauer. And the next 30 supply the commentary. For the Christian believer, the text is uh, Habakkuk 2.4. The just shall live by his faith. And the commentary is being written as we listen to God and obey his directions a day at a time. It's sad to say some people understand neither the text nor the commentary and their lives are ended before they have really started to live. See, Genesis 22 records the greatest death that Abraham ever faced. True, it also presents a very beautiful picture of our Lord's sacrifice at Calvary. But here today, I want to focus on this call to obedience. In order for you and me to walk in faith, we must operate in obedience because obedient faith will overcome trials of life every time. Abraham teaches us how to man up, handle the temple instructions as we receive this call to obedience here in Genesis 22. 
Here in Genesis 22, verses 1 and 2, the Word of God says this, And it came to pass, after these things, that God did tempt Abraham, and said unto him, Abraham, and he said, Behold, here I am. And he said, Take now thy son, thy only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains which I will tell thee of. See, in the school of faith, we must have occasional tests, or we will never know where we are spiritually. Abraham had to share, uh, had his share of tests right from the beginning. First was the family test when we, when he had to leave his loved ones, step out by faith and go into a new land. The test of famine. Abraham failed because he doubted God. He went down to Egypt for help. Once back in the land, Abraham passed the fellowship test when he gave Lot first choice in using the pasture land. He also passed the fight test when he defeated the kings in uh, chapter 14. And the fortune test when he said no to Sodom's wealth, but he failed the fatherhood test when Sarah got impatient with God and suggested that Abraham have a child with Hagar. When the time came to send Ishmael away, Abraham passed the farewell test even though it broke his heart. Not every difficult experience in life is necessarily a personal test from God. Of course, any experience could become a test or a temptation depending on how we deal with it. Sometimes our own disobedience causes the pain and disappointment. As when Abraham went to Egypt and to uh, Jigar, sometimes our hurts are simply a part of normal human life. As we grow older, friends and loved ones relocate or even die. Life changes all around us and we have to make some painful adjustments. But we must distinguish between trials and temptations. Temptations come from our desires within us, while trials come from the Lord, who has a special purpose to fulfill. Temptations are used by the devil to bring out the worst in us, but trials are used by the Holy Spirit to bring out the best in us. Temptations seem logical while trials seem very unreasonable. Why would God give Abraham a son and then ask Abraham to kill him? I believe all believers face similar temptations to sin, but not all believers experience the same trials of faith. God's testing are specific for each child of God. God never asked Lot to face the test that Abraham faced. Why? Because Lot was being tempted by the world and the flesh, and he never grew to the place of maturity that Abraham reached. So in one sense, it's a compliment when God sends us a test. It shows that God wants to promote us in, in the school of faith. God never sends us a test until he knows we are ready for it. So men, it's time to man up. This, this is the first instruction we learn. Expect trials from God because Christian life is not easy. Number two, man up and focus on the promises. In Genesis chapter 22, verses 3 through 5, the word of God said this, And Abraham rose up early in the morning and saddled his ass and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son and clave the wood from for the burnt offering and rose up and went into the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said unto his young men, Abide ye here with the ass. And I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again to you. You see, our faith is not really tested until God asks us to bear what seems unbearable. Do what seems unreasonable. 
and expect what seems impossible. Whether you look at Joseph in prison, Moses and Israel at the Red Sea, David in the cave, or Jesus at Calvary, the lesson is all the same. We live by promises and not by explanations. Consider how unreasonable God's request was. Isaac was Abraham's only son, and the future of the covenant rested in him. Isaac was a miracle child, the gift of God to Abraham and Sarah in response to their faith. Abraham and Sarah loved Isaac so very much. They'd built their whole future around Isaac. When God asked Abraham to offer his son, he was testing Abraham's faith, hope, and love. And it looked like God was wiping out everything Abraham and Sarah had lived for. You see, when God sends a trial to us, our first response is usually, why, Lord? And then, why me? Right away, we want God to give us explanations. Of course, we know that God has reasons for sending tests, maybe to purify our faith, maybe to perfect our character, or even to protect us from sin. But we fail to see how these things apply to us. The fact that we ask our Father for explanations suggests that we might not know ourselves as we should or God as we should. Abraham heard God's word and immediately obeyed it by faith. He knew that God's test would never contradict God's promise. So he held on to the promise. Because in Genesis 21, 12, God said, In Isaac shall thy seed be called. Abraham believed that if, even if God allowed him to slay his son, he could raise Isaac from the dead. True faith will not demand an explanation. True faith rests on promises. Abraham told the two servants, I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again to you. Because he believed God. Abraham had no intentions of bringing back a corpse. It has been pointed out that Abraham believed God, obeyed him when he didn't know where, when he didn't know when, and when he didn't know how, and when he didn't know why. Men, we have to man up. We have to hold on to the promises of God. Number three, we have to man up and focus on God's provisions. We see in Genesis 22, verses 6 through 14. Listen to what the Word of God says. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it upon Isaac his son. And he took the fire in his hand and a knife, and they went both of them together. And Isaac spake unto Abraham his father and said, My father. And he said, Here I am, my son. And he said, Behold, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went both of them together. And they came to the place which God had told him of. And Abraham built an altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. And the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here am I. And he said, Lay not thine hand upon the lad, neither do thy anything unto him. For now, for now I know that thou fearest God, seeing thou hast not withheld thy son, thy only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him a ram caught in a thicket by his thorns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering in the stead of his son. 
And Abraham called the name of this place Jehovah-Jireh, as it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord it shall be seen. See, two statements here reveal the emphasis of the passage. God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering in verse 8, and Jehovah-Jireh in verse 14, which means the Lord will see to it. That is, the Lord will provide. As he climbed Mount Moriah with his son, Abraham was confident that God would meet every need. On what could Abraham depend? He certainly could not depend on his feelings. For there must have been terrible pain within his in his soul, slaying his own son on the altar. He loved his only son, but he also loved his God and wanted to obey him. Abraham could not depend on other people. Sarah was at home. The two servants was accompanied him. They were back at the camp. Man, I thank God for friends and family members who can help us carry our burdens. But there are some trials in life that we must face alone. It's only then when we can see what our Heavenly Father really can do for us. Abraham could depend on the promise and the provision of the Lord. He had already experienced the resurrection power of God in his own body. Abraham knew that God could raise Isaac from the dead if that was his plan. Apparently, no resurrections had taken place before that time. So Abraham was exercising some great faith in God. According to Ephesians 1, 19 and 20, and Ephesians 3, 20 and 21, believers today have Christ's resurrection power available in their own bodies as they yield to the Spirit of God. What does that mean? That means we can know the power of His resurrection as we face the daily demands and trials of life. When the situation appears to be hopeless, we have to ask ourselves, is anything too hard for the Lord? We must remind ourselves, I can do all things through Christ who strengtheneth me. God did provide the sacrifice that was needed, and a ram took Isaac's place on the altar. Abraham discovered a new name for God, Jehovah-Jireh, which can be translated, the Lord will see to it. The Lord will be seen. The statement, in the mount of the Lord shall be seen, helps us understand some truths about the provision of the Lord. Well, let's think about those things. Where does the Lord provide our needs? In the place of His assignment. When does God meet our needs? Just when we have need and not a minute before. How does God provide for us in ways that are usually quite natural? To whom does God give His provision? To those who trust Him and obey His instructions. And finally, why does God provide our every need? I'll tell you why. For the great glory of His name. Men, we need to man up and trust the provision of the Lord. And finally, we have to man up and look forward. In verses 15 through 19 in Genesis 22, the Word of God says these words, And the angel of the Lord called unto Abraham out of heaven the second time and said, By myself have I sworn, saith the Lord, for because thou hast done this thing and hast not withheld thy son, thy only son, that in blessing I will bless thee, and in multiplying I will multiply thy seed as the stars of heaven and as the sand which is upon the seashore. And thy seed shall possess the gate of his enemies. And in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed because thou hast obeyed my voice. So Abraham returned unto his young men and they rose up and went together to Beersheba. And Abraham dwelt in Beersheba. There is always an afterward to the test of life. 
because God never wastes our suffering. Job 23.10 says, But he knoweth the way that I take, and when he hath tested me, I shall come forth as gold. Abraham received several blessings from God because of his obedient faith. To begin with, he received a new approval from God. We see that in verse 12. Abraham had described this whole difficult experience as, listen, worship. In verse 5, because to him that is what it was. He obeyed God's will and sought to please God's heart, and God commended him. It's worth it to go through trials if at the end the Father can say to us, Well done. He received back a new son. You see, Isaac and Abraham had been at the altar together, and Isaac was now a living sacrifice. Isn't that what Romans chapter 12 tells each each one of us to be? A living sacrifice. God gave Isaac to Abraham, and Abraham gave Isaac back to God. We must be careful that God's gifts do not take the place of the giver. God gave Abraham new assurances. We see that in verses 16 through 18. He'd heard these promises before, but now they took on fresh new meaning. Charles Spurgeon used to say that the promises of God never shine brighter than in the furnace of affliction. What two men did on a lonely altar would one day bring blessing to the whole world. Abraham also learned a new name of God. As we have seen, Jehovah Jireh means that the Lord will see to it or the Lord will provide. The Jewish temple was built on Mount Moriah in Second Chronicles chapter 3, verse 1. And during our Lord's earthly ministry, He was seen there. He was the true Lamb of God, provided by God to die for the sins of the world. So let me ask you a question as I close here today. Have you experienced it? Men, it's time to man up. Get right with the Lord. Christian, it's time to get serious about our love for the Lord. I hope and pray that today's message inspired you. I hope it blessed your heart. I look forward to uh, spending time with you once again as I close out our podcast for today. God bless and move forward and man up. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening to Ministry Focus Podcast with Chad and all the place where we talk real and live Jesus. Be sure to tune in next week as we focus on another area of ministry in the local church.